Welcome. You are listening to the Upper Room Podcast. For more information or to donate to this ministry, visit URFellowship.com. So we have a, uh, a special speaker today. I kid that uh, I, uh, I ask her to speak because she, she doesn't say no, but really, um, I ask her to speak because she's a gifted, talented disciple of Jesus who has a good word for us today. So I'm going to ask Beth to come on up and give her a round of applause today. Go, Beth. Good morning. Good to see everybody out there. I was going to dress like Chris today. I couldn't find my flannel. (laughs) If you are new today, we are in the beginning of a multi-month sermon series. Chris just finished up and launched us. He launched us on our first value and just finished up treasuring his presence So if you missed any of that, it is on our website. If you go and check it out, there were some great messages from Chris. Chris is our teaching pastor, if you're you're new today. And Kate and him just celebrated 20 years of marriage. So they got got to get away and go to Florida this weekend. So um, I did tell God, if if you ask me to speak, I will not say no. And there are days... I'm like, why did I say that? But um, we are, I'm very grateful for our leadership team here, our elders. Um, Chris is the teaching pastor, but Kate and Bruce and Greg and all that they pour into us and um, very honored to be here to be able to speak to you guys today. So I'm going to be kicking off our second value that we're learning about in this, season, this sermon series about the value of the kingdom, and that is accessing abundant wholeness. We thrive in complete joy and are able to live from abundance because Jesus loves us and paid everything we need by his work on the cross, opening up the way for our complete salvation, our complete healing, and our complete deliverance. If you haven't noticed... Um, On the website, we have all our values listed, and they all have a verb in there, treasuring, accessing, knowing, living. There's, There's some work that needs to be done. His presence is always there, but it's up it's up to us to work at it, to treasure it. The same is true for accessing abundant wholeness. The abundant wholeness is there for us because Jesus paid it all on the cross for us to have it. Yet it's us, up to us to access it, access it, and to live in it. In all of our values, there needs to be intentional work on our end to partner with God and to make these values our own personal culture, the culture of our families, the culture of our church, And we have to work to keep it because these values are 
countercultural to the society we are living in. We also have to do work because we have an enemy that does not want us to live out these values, and he's continually scheming up ways to mess it up. When Jesus was leaving the earth, getting ready to leave the earth, he um, was talking to his disciples about the abundant wholeness that he had for them and for us. And that's where this value comes from. In John 10.10, Jesus tells his disciples, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. In this short statement, Jesus is showing the contradiction of what the devil wants for us and what Jesus wants for us. It's the age-long story of good versus evil, and it's why Jesus went to the cross. John 3.16 said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believed in him should not perish but have eternal life. And contrary to that, Satan comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So today I'm going to talk to you about one of the ways we can access abundant wholeness, and that is by living unoffended. John Bevere, in his book entitled The Bait of Satan, he introduces this topic beautifully. He says, if you ask any trapper... In order for a trap to work, it needs to be hidden so the animal stumbles upon it, and it needs to be baited to lure the animal into its deadly jaws. Satan, the enemy of our souls, incorporates both of these strategies as he lays out his most deceptive and deadly traps. They are both hidden and baited. Along with his cohorts, Satan is not as blatant as many believe. He is subtle and delights in deception. He is shrewd in his operation, cunning and crafty. One of his most deceptive and insidious kinds of bait is something that every Christian has encountered, offense. But if we pick it up and consume it and feed on it in our hearts, then we have become offended. Let's first look at the definition of what offense is. It's resentful, it's being resentful or annoyed as a result of a perceived insult. And the fruit of offense is hurt, jealousy, strife, anger, envy, bitterness, outrage, resentment, and hatred. Satan will try to steal your joy and your peace. He will try to kill your relationships and destroy your families and your faith with that hidden offense, that hidden bait of offense. But Jesus has something better for us. What Jesus has to offer brings life and abundant wholeness, but we have to work at it to access it. It's there for us to have, but we have to make a choice to believe and to obey to get it. We are living in a season where opportunity abounds to be offended. You probably didn't get out of the house today with having an opportunity to be offended. 
We're also living in a culture that is shouting at us that we have every right to be offended. We're justified in our offense. Have you ever met a bitter person that didn't have a good reason? Offense comes with a reason. I'm going to show us some keys that will open up access for us to for abundant wholeness. And the first way of access comes when we give up the right to be offended. The world gives us permission to feel justified in our offense, but the Bible shows us a better way. In Romans 12.2, it says, Do not be conformed by the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. What is God's will? We know it. We say it all the time. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's his pleasing, good, perfect will on earth as it is in heaven. He wants us to bring heaven to earth. And often, most often, the culture of heaven is contrary to the culture that we're living in in the world systems. Being mistreated does not give you permission to hold an offense. Two wrongs do not make a right. And Jesus is pretty clear about this, in case you were wondering. If you had any questions or you feel like you're leaning towards the side of the world that says, no, you can be justified in this offense, there's a good reason for it. Jesus tells us, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. That's in Mark 11, 24 and 25. God teaches us how, Jesus taught us how to pray. If you've been around, you probably know it. You could say it with us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom, the power... Oh, wait. Sorry. Verse 14. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins... Your father will not forgive your sins. That's in Matthew 6, 10 through 14. We say that prayer so often, and I just roll into, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. And you get back into the verse, and that is not what it says. It says, for if you give other pe- forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins... Your father will not forgive your sins. I think Jesus is pretty clear. 
Even though he's clear, he liked to talk in parables a lot. And one day, his disciple Peter came to him and he said, Lord, you know, my brother offended me, did something against me. You know, how many times do I have to forgive? And Jesus said, Peter said, up to seven times. And Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times, or 70 times seven is what Jesus said. He is telling us we need to continually be forgiving. And he has a parable in Matthew about um, talking about the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to read it for us. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold, and some commentaries say that's like 20 years of daily wages. He was, this man was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged. I will pay everything back. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins, or equivalent to one day's worth. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servants fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me, and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what, was happen, what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all of your debts because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owned. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. There are some people who are being tortured holding on to the fruit of offense. Souls are full of hurt, Jealousy, strife, anger, envy, bitterness, outrage, resentment, and hatred. We need to give up our right to be offended. The second way we can access living an unoffended life is to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you any areas of your heart and mind that you are harboring offense. I, I say this prayer often. It's from Psalms 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know if there are any anxious thoughts in me. And know my anxious thoughts. See if there are any offensive thoughts in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Some days I pray that and I'm, I'm thinking, I'm going to pray this, but... I don't have any anxious thoughts. I, I don't have any offensive way in me. But when I ask him, 
I'm like, oh, where did that come from? We can be deceived. The enemy masquerades as an angel of light. He doesn't show up in a red suit with a pitchfork. We were talking about in Sunday school class about creepy, demonic, scary things. And I think if we saw that, we'd be like, nope, not going there, not going on a picnic with you. But he masks himself to be known as something we value. He parades himself in a way we think or we feel we are being discerning or moving in virtue. But the fruit doesn't carry peace. Even if you have practiced forgiveness and you're not harboring bitterness, you can still live under the influence of offense. And it masks itself as wisdom or discernment. Sometimes wisdom looks, worldly wisdom looks like this. Being selective about our relationships. Being less open and vulnerable with others. Closed to those we fear will hurt us. Reticent to admit anyone who owes us something. Open to only those who believe, those who we believe are on our side. In Galatians 6, 8, and 9, it says, Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at that proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. James talks about two different kinds of wisdom. And have you been there? Talking about, no, this is wisdom. I'm going to put up my fence. I'm going to put up my guard. It's called boundaries. There's a book on that. Dr. Henry Cloud. (laughs) There are boundaries. Jesus had boundaries. But some of our boundaries are there to protect us because we are living under the influence of offense. Even though we have offered forgiveness and we're not harboring bitterness. In James 3, it talks about two different kinds of wisdom. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from heaven, but it's earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. The Passion Translation says, the wisdom of, from above is always pure, filled with peace, considerate, and teachable. It's filled with love and never displays prejudice or hypocrisy in any form. Ask the Lord if you are operating under the influence of offense. I don't want any trace of inf- offense in my life. 
Show me, Lord. Guard my heart. I don't want the poison of bitterness and the offense to cloud my reasoning so that I'm not able to demonstrate the heart of God on the planet Earth and in the measure that he would want me to. The third way that we can access living an unoffended life is to operate in the opposite spirit when you're faced with offense. We often say we live in an upside-down kingdom when you are facing disrespect, so honor. If you are facing someone who is mean, show them kindness. If you have run into somebody who's stingy, give them generosity. The Bible says, love your enemies. Pray for your enemy. Pray for your enemies. In Matthew, Jesus says, You have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Don't even the pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Back to Romans 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Kate talked about that as she opened worship today. We are the temple of God, and we are living, should be living as a sacrifice. This is true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will able, be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will, which is bringing heaven to earth. In verse 9 of Romans 12, he talks about love and action. Love must be sincere Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful what to do, what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, Live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. 
operate in the opposite spirit. There's a prayer I pray that shifts the atmosphere when I'm feeling something. When I ask the Holy Spirit, what is this? Why am I feeling this way? And he reveals it to me. And when he reveals offense, this is my prayer I pray. Because I have my eyes open to it. I say, I see you, offense. I will not partner with you. I send you back to where you came from. I'm covered by the blood of Jesus, and I choose to partner with forgiveness and grace. Ask the Holy Spirit, am I living under the influence of something that is not good? And then operate in the opposite spirit. So sometimes, I mean, people are easy to be offended at, and and we've already talked about that the world says we're justified and there's a reason why we can be offended. But sometimes it's not just people we get offended by. We can get offended by God. When disappointment happens, when we don't see our prayers answered, or when we don't feel like God is defending us and justice has not happened, we blame God. We don't quite believe he is as good as he says he is. We sing a song, the king of my heart, and the chorus goes, he is good, good, oh good. And then there's this bridge that says, You're never going to let me down. You're never going to let me down. You're never going to let me down. And have you been in this room when we have sang that song and there's a circumstance in your life happening and you've been like me where you think, I am feeling let down right now. I'm going to sing the verses, but when I get to that bridge, I am not singing those words because I feel, God, like you are letting me down. I don't know if you're good. We sang about reckless love. We can sing those words and we can say, oh, he feels that way about him. He feels that way about her. I don't know if you feel that way about me. I don't know. I feel... Like you're letting me down. Have you, am I the only one that thinks that when we sing that song sometimes in a circumstance? Don't, don't answer. <laughs> Matthew eleven six, Jesus said, Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Or another, another translation, Happy is the person who does not stumble in their thought life over what they have not seen me do yet. Here's two ways that we can access living unoffended to God. Number one, don't create a bad theology or a bad doctrine based on your current circumstances. God is sovereign, and we live in a world full of conflict. But if we create a theology that God is sending sickness to teach you a lesson, that God is not healing you because you don't have enough faith, that God is not good, 
we need to go back to the gospel and we need to read what Jesus did and what Jesus said and how Jesus operated. And if we're making bad doctrines and theologies, we need to stop it. Jesus, Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. The Father was in heaven. I only say what I hear him saying. The Father is in heaven. If you look at Jesus' life, it doesn't say he only peeled, healed the people who had faith. He had a, a wand and he zapped people when they disobeyed. <laughs> That's not in the Bible. And oftentimes, sometimes we're so familiar, we think we're so familiar with the Bible because we read it once a long time ago, but then people started telling us things and we thought that was the Bible. And so we create bad theology. We need to get back into the Word. You need to open up your Bible. You need to read. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us our day, our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you don't forgive others, God is not going to forgive yourself. If you're questioning, if we've had bad teaching, get back into the word. Back to Romans 12, 2. The renewed mind proves the will of God. Heaven on earth. Bill Johnson says the transformation of a person's life is no greater than the transformation of a renewed mind. The unrenewed mind is hostile towards God. When you renew your mind, you're yielding your imagination and it becomes sanctified imagination. It becomes a sanctified imagination. A renewed mind is the target of the Lord every day of our lives. Every day, you wake up, we need to renew our minds. We don't have a pass. Like I did it once, like three years ago, I'm good. Every day, we need to be renewing our minds, not conforming to the pattern of this world. A renewed mind can create a context for faith which comes from the heart. Faith is demonstrated in kingdom understanding. It's not the product of discipline. Faith comes from surrender, not striving. The enemy to a renewed mind is when things appear logical and reasonable, but they're hostile towards God and the ways of God. The mindset of the flesh is hostile towards God. It's not neutral It's at war with the things of God. The mindset of the spirit is great faith. And sometimes we have to live in the middle of mystery. When Jesus said, blessed is he who does not stumble over me, he was saying that when John was in prison and John sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah? And Jesus said, What do you see happening? The blind are healed. The blind can see. The lame can walk. The dead are raised. The captives are set free. He's saying that, and John is in jail. 
happy is the person who does not stumble in their thought life over what they have not seen me do yet. So not creating bad doctrine or theology based on your circumstances. The last one, if we want to access living unoffended, is to realize if it's not good, it's not done. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love him, to those who are called according to his purpose. Trials will come. Offense will come. I don't think you can escape a day unless you're just stuck in your room by yourself with no access to internet where you don't have an opportunity to be offended. It's promised. It's how we respond to those trials, to that offense that will determine how much abundant wholeness we can have access to. Satan wants those trials, that adversity that we go through, that offense that is put in front of us. He wants that to steal your joy and your peace. He wants to kill your relationships. He wants to destroy your family and your faith. Jesus uses trials to strengthen our faith, to build us up, to mature us. Trials that give us wisdom from heaven, not earthly wisdom, and it will unlock our access to abundant wholeness. God is refining us. When I talk about gold that has impurities, how do we get those impurities up? You turn up the heat, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, there's some impurities in here. It's very easy for us when we're living a life that is peaceful and everybody's happy and behaving and doing what we want them to do and not arguing about ways that you think differently. It's easy to think, I am pure and holy, blameless in God's sight. And then God turns up the heat. There's a trial. Something doesn't go your way. You don't get a prayer answered immediately. Someone offends you, and that heat, what bubbles up, are impurities. And what God wants to do, he wants to scrape that off. And then what he'll do. I'm pure and homely, blameless in God's sight. And he turns up the heat. And up comes offense that I didn't know I had. Up comes reasoning and justification for why I should be offended. Up comes wisdom and discernment of how it's good to build an offense up against others. And that bubbles up when we say, Search our heart, O God, and know me. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. See see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And when you thought you were good and you asked that question, and God scrapes it off because he's refining us. He's making us pure. 
There's many, many, many stories in the Bible about disciples that were following God, that went through trials and adversity. Peter, Satan said, I'm going to sift you, Peter, like wheat. And Jesus, I mean, Peter was one of his close buddies, top three. Jesus didn't wave a magic wand and zap, zap him and say, no, you're not sifting him. Jesus prayed for Peter's faith to be built and for Peter's faith to withstand the shifting. So how do we access abundant wholeness? We give up our right to be offended. We ask the Holy Spirit to reveal if we're living under the influence of offense. Even if we think we have no bitterness or we think we have forgiven, we operate in the opposite spirit. We don't hate our enemies, we love them. We don't build bad theology and doctrine around our current circumstances. And we believe and have faith that if it's not good, it's not done yet. We choose to live unoffended. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, search our hearts. We just pray that if we are harboring offense against another person, if we have the fruit of offense in our lives, hurt, rage, jealousy, envy, bitterness, hatred, strife, unforgiveness, God, we just ask that you would reveal if we're holding on to offense about another person. And we ask you to help us forgive like you forgave us with no attachments, without needing an apology, but that we would be able to forgive those who have offended us. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would just reveal to us if we are offended by you and that if we're living under the influence of offense, which is not carrying the peace from heaven, but is carrying worldly wisdom, Jesus, we want to access the abundant wholeness that you paid the price for, that you died on the cross for us to have. We do not want to partner with the enemy who's trying to steal our joy and our peace, kill our relationships, destroy our families and our faith. We want to partner with you because you have come to give us life 
and give it abundantly. So let's stand. We're going to pray this prayer together. If God revealed something to you, a person, a situation where you were like, wow, God, I didn't know I was harboring offense against you. We want to operate in the opposite spirit of that. We want to be free. So say this prayer with me. I see you offense. I will not partner with you. I send you back to where you came from. I am covered by the blood of Jesus. I choose to partner with forgiveness and grace. In Jesus' name, amen. If I'd like to ask the prayer ministry team to come up, if you had anything stirring in you where you feel like, oh, I need to forgive, but I don't know how, I have a good reason. I am justified. Jesus wants you to be free today. If you need to come up and figure out how to release people and give them forgiveness, if you need to come up and just let go of living under an influence of offense, come up. If you need to come up for any other reason, maybe you don't know Jesus and we're talking about abundant wholeness and you're like, I want that, but I don't have it yet. Jesus wants you to have it today. Maybe you need healing. Maybe you just want a blessing. We, we are a church that believes in prayer, so we ask you if you want to come up for prayer. Happy is the person who does not stumble in their thought life because they haven't seen what God is not finished with. Amen. Have a great day. Come on up for prayer if you need to.